Yes, indeed. This morning I am joined by Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. And Teresa, good morning to you. Good morning, Denny. And I know you and I are awaiting uh, the uh, our turf expert. We like to call him our turf guru, uh, John Trappy from the University of Minnesota. Uh, and when John get, connects to us, too, not only will we talk gardens, we'll talk we'll lawns. Talk, we'll talk lawns and turf. Can, can you all hear me well? There. Yes. <laughs> that, <laughs> speaking of John Trappy, very good. John, good morning. Thanks, good morning. Th- thanks for taking time out. Uh, and, and it's. I think this may be the very first time in all these years that we've had uh, not only John on and Teresa at the same time, but almost mid-December talking lawns. <laughs> Isn't that I, amazing? And I can certainly see mine, at least for a while today. We expect uh, maybe a half an inch or less here in the metro today. But, John, what's going on? I, I've been putting off a, a dormant seating longer than I ever have. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more green visible than what we normally see this time of year. So it's uh, it's still a great time to try to dormant seed if you're looking to thicken up any areas uh, throughout your lawn or any turf grass areas. Uh, just basically understand that you're not going to get any germination until next spring, and that's kind of the idea. So uh, this is uh, taking advantage of the lack of snow cover, but still cool enough soil temperatures. Absolutely. Speaking of taking advantage, taking advantage of our time, our experts uh, this morning on our Smart Garden Show, Master Gardener Teresa Rooney and uh, John Trappy from the U of M, our turf expert. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, really, lawns and gardens is what we'll talk about today and uh, uh, your chance to call in or text in your questions. Uh, just one number to remember for either phone call or text, 651-461-9226. Uh, I'm looking at the first text that came in, uh, and let me just read it. It says, I have white fluffy dots on queen of night and orchid cactus plant killing tips of the plants. Uh, I've talked to three master gardeners, and that's where the sentence ends here. Uh, Any ideas, Teresa? I'd look at mealybugs. Ah. Yep. Uh, so, so you probably have their little their little insects that are like suckers. They like to suck out all the juices. So, I would go to the extension website, extension.umn.edu. They actually have an article on mealybugs. But then go to the house plants and look at um, the pests that you see in the house plants, and and see if you can see which one is most closely related to what you're seeing. But I'm thinking mealybugs because they're more fluffy. They're kind of cottony. And um, they have big fluffy stuff around them that kind of protects them. But it'll tell you how to take care of those on your orchid and the other plant that you have it on. Good luck uh, John, maybe we, we, we should uh, talk about because I know we'll be getting more questions about dormant seeding. Let's talk about the process. Uh, exactly what is the best way to make sure in the spring we're going to see some uh, growth? Well, uh the, the beauty of the dormant seeding is that you have to do minimal soil disturbance uh, this fall or th- this winter now um, where uh, you just rely on that freeze-thaw cycle over the winter and then early next spring to work that seed down into the soil. So um, we, don't, we typically don't go out and rake up the area. I mean, it would be a good idea to remove any kind of excessive tree leaf litter if you have any. But, uh, but otherwise, uh, just, just know that you... Uh, would be seeding right now and just seed over the top of the lawn itself. Um, doing it on a, on a day like today is actually going to be a great idea right before a little bit of snow to help get some of that seed down into the soil uh, surface to get seed-to-soil contact. But, uh, and otherwise, uh, that's pretty much it. So it's, it's, a, it's pretty 
foolproof way of, of getting some seed to germinate next spring. John, is there is there any type of grass seed that's better than the other? Just you know, one one you know, fescue, or I mean, maybe it depends on what kind of sun and soil. I'm not sure. Yeah, it, you know, it, it certainly depends on what's currently growing there, because more than likely that's what's going to grow best. Uh, but there's three species. Uh, really, all of the cool season species that we have growing in our lawns in Minnesota work really well with dormant seeding. So. Uh, Kentucky bluegrass, tall fescue, fine fescues. I'm a little bit partial to the fine fescues and tall fescues just because they're a little bit lower input, uh, meaning that they uh, require less nitrogen and, and fertilizer and, and mowing and things like that. So, uh, but uh, but you can overseed with uh, with really any any species of turf grass, uh, and you'll generally receive about the same results uh, for uh, for the establishment next spring. All right, great. Uh, grab a phone call this morning. Teddy calling in from uh, Minneapolis, I believe. Teddy, you're on CCO. What is your question, please? Hi, good morning. Considering um, the lack of precipitation as well as the drought, um, and we have the warm weather coming uh, next week, would it be advisable to get out the uh, sprinkler and water the lawn and trees again to get some more moisture in? Yes. I'd say yes. Teresa says yes. I, so as far as the, um, you know, I mean, we're definitely still in a drought. Um, I, you know, I would be. Teresa says yes. I, so as far as the, um, you know, I mean, we're definitely still in a drought. Um, I, you know, I would be a little bit nervous about uh, water being on the leaves of, of plants and things like that and then freezing again. Uh, they're, the good thing is that they're using a lot less water right now. Uh, they're still using some, but they're using a lot less. Uh, I would uh, I would just try to be a little bit patient. I mean, weather can change. Uh, if we do get a really big warm-up where you get into the, the 50s and 60s, uh, you know, for a prolonged period of time, then maybe I would consider that. But otherwise, I would just uh, be a little bit patient and uh, and just see see how it goes because they're not really using a whole lot of water right now, even though we are in a drought. Except maybe perhaps water the evergreens just at their bases because they Absolutely. always are. They're always using water. So if Great you point. haven't been good with watering your evergreens, give them give them a little help. But don't I've, get them wet. John's I've, right about that. I've turned on and off my faucet a couple times. The outdoor faucet. <laughs> uh, not sure of of the overnight temperatures. But someone, I think, uh, Teresa, someone uh, suggested, what they, at least via text, what they do is they bring buckets of water from inside the house yep. instead of turning out. If you have huge trees, that's going to take a lot of buckets of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not sure about that. But, yes, yeah, I like the idea of buckets for certain shrubs. Oh, uh, definitely. Just, just for your certain shrubs or your trees or a newly planted tree that you want really well watered or those evergreens. Here's a text, interesting text. I'm not sure if buckthorn, buckthorn, you know, it's a wily plant. Maybe it can sense things. But te- the texture says, might non-native trees like buckthorn grow and reproduce more vigorously in Minnesota because they sense they're in a, quote, hostile environment? <laughs> I, I don't know that they do it for that reason, but they will grow more vigorously perhaps because the environment is is similar to where they came from. But there's no predators, there's no predators, there's no pests, and the diseases aren't there. So they're like, they're like, just can go as free as they want because they have nothing to hold them back. And, and um, yeah, so that's, it's probably not the threat situation. It's more as they don't have any threats against them. 
that they can just grow wild and, and really take over. Boy, are they tough. They are so They're tough. tough. They are tough. All right. But I know- it's a really good wood for woodworking if you like to work. Oh, is it really? Yep. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, as we take a quick break, I want to pass along a question. Maybe you and John both, I think, have, will have input on this. And we'll uh, answer this question when we come back. But what is the, the question is, what is the best alternative to grass in a shady backyard? We'll take this break. Come back with more Smart Garden here on Newstalk 830 WCCO. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. This morning, Master Gardener Teresa Rooney is helping you on, along with turf expert from the U of M, John Trappy. Uh, and uh, call us or text us with your lawn or garden question. We have many right now, 651-461-9226. Uh, John and Teresa, let's, uh, let's finish that question. I, uh, before we broke, then we'll grab some phone calls. What is the best alternative to grass in a shady backyard? What do you think, Teresa? You know, it depends on what they're looking to do. If they're looking to have a bunch of dogs back there, maybe put down a wood mulch. Um, if they're looking for more of a grass-like situation, they may want to try some Pennsylvania sedges or some of the sedges. Um, if they're just looking to cover up the soil under trees and shrubs, I would go and think about um, a woodland garden. So you have uh, things like the violets and the epimediums and hostas and ferns and all those beautiful things. And then also you plant in your early blooming um, spring bulbs like your early daffodils and tulips and things like that and your minor bulbs and you can have a really beautiful kind of almost magical sort of um, woodland garden in that shade. Uh, The first one or two years if you put in a bunch of plants I might put down a soaker hose under under the mulch that you have just to get those plants established. After they're established you should be able to back off on some of that watering because they'll all be just established and work with the trees and shrubs. And uh, one other thing I would suggest is um, you can get online a book called The Best or the Best Plants for 30 Tough Sites. It's a free book you can download from the University of Minnesota. You can download the whole book or just sections, and there is a section on dry shade on there. Yeah, get, uh, get on the university website, extension.umn.edu. We will be, as we like to, mention that from time to time this hour. Uh, I want to grab a phone call. Ken's calling in from Blaine. Let's see what Ken has to uh, ask this morning. Ken, what's your question? Yes, uh, thank you. Um, I'm interested in uh, finding out what type of research projects are being conducted uh, currently at the University of Minnesota School of Horticulture. Um, I am connected with the uh, College of Science and Engineering, and uh, they publish uh, at least three times a year a very significant publication addressing what is happening at the College of Science and Engineering. And I want to know what publications like that are being published by the School of Horticulture. Interesting question. Thanks, Ken. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer to John on this one. Throw you under the spotlight there, John. No, absolutely. So uh, there are uh, a couple of uh, uh, magazines that are put out by the Department of Horticulture uh, that would tell you as far as uh, some of the up-to-date research Unfortunately, there's not an experiment station uh, research report or anything like that. Uh, but if you're interested in particular fields, uh, certain fields do have a, have a monthly newsletter, like the uh, Turf Lab has a newsletter where, uh, where we uh, put out research updates on things that we're currently doing. 
Uh, I know uh, a couple of the other fruit, fruit and uh, um, uh, fruit, flower, and ornamental breeders uh, also do uh, some newsletters that are uh, in some different areas. But uh, there is a, a Department of Horticultural Science magazine that will have some research updates as far as uh, some latest things that have been published. All right, very good, interesting question. Thank you, Ken. Uh, call or text with your lawn or garden question. This number is 651-461-9226. In a few minutes, we'll check out that forecast. It looks like the temperatures already are dropping here in the Twin Cities. Uh, earlier this morning, uh, when we got on, it was uh, 37. And let's see if that has changed. Now we're at 35. We expect to be about 30 later on. It's going to be maybe a snowy, rainy mix later today. We'll get you details coming along in just a, a few minutes from now. Uh, can you, this texture says, and I think we've, we've may have addressed this in previous shows, can you dormant seed a bee lawn? Absolutely. So uh, that's actually one of the best ways of establishing a, a bee lawn. As long as one of the issues with, with trying to do that is if you're trying to establish into an existing turf stand and if it's too thick, um, you may have to use a slightly higher seeding rate uh, for the flowering plants that are a part of the bee lawn mixture. But uh, otherwise, uh, you know, if, if the site is thin because of, you know, the drought or stress or, you know, annual weeds that died from last year, uh, dormant seeding at any time this winter or early next spring is a great strategy for establishing a bee lawn. What, uh, what kind of seed do you get for a bee lawn? Well, there's uh, most of our bee lawn, so we've been doing research for about 10 or 11 years on ideal mixtures for bee lawns. And uh, most of the bee lawn mix itself is actually fine fescue grass seed. It's what we found works best for, for being the substrate or the dominant species within the mixture. But the other species are self-heal, creeping thyme, uh, and then uh, white clover, Dutch white clover. Bees love that clover. Sure. They certainly do. They do. Uh, this listener sent a text and said, My lawn was resided about 15 years ago. Now large areas are dying or dead. No amount of reseeding with soil overlay produces grasses that survive. Somewhat shady due to, oh, here's the culprit, to a large silver maple. What nice. can I do? Well, the, the silver maple is going to be, uh, unfortunately, maples are really competitive with grass. Uh, dense shade and really shallow surface and aggressive uh, surface roots. So, um, so in some cases it's because of the shade, some cases because of the drought, a little bit of both. Uh, I would consider planting a, a more shade-tolerant turfgrass species like the fine fescues. Uh, they're the most shade-tolerant turfgrass species we recommend planting. Um, the other thing is, is to consider planting something uh, like Teresa had mentioned earlier as far as a dense shade area. Uh, that still has, still tries to serve that same function of that turf, um, such as the wood chips. But uh, otherwise, in some cases, it's too much shade. Uh, all turf grasses need at least a couple of hours of direct sunlight. If it's getting less than that, I would consider something else for the site. All right. Very good. We need to take a break and have a look at that forecast. We have about another half hour of the show to go on our Smart Garden Show. Your lawn and garden question, we'd love to hear from you either by phone or by text at 651-461-9226. Back after the weather here on News Talk 830 WCCO.
Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Helping you out this morning, Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, and from the University of Minnesota, our turf expert, John Trappy. If you have any kind of a lawn question, uh, this is your day today. And any other uh, lawn or type of question, uh, garden question for Teresa, we've got some good help today, as as usual. 651-461-9226 for either a phone call or a text. Let's see, where did we leave off here? Um I have, Texture says, over 40 mature shrubs. Yesterday, I set a small sprinkler to a little over two gallons a minute and set it near the base of each shrub for 20 minutes. Is that enough to get them through the window, do you think? Can I put my sprinkler away? <laughs> Big question. <laughs> uh, note, I dormant seeded a few weeks ago, and the seed is sprouting. I bought more seed for spring. Uh, how about that? I guess oh, if you uh, dormant seed a little too early, that can happen, right? Yeah. Uh, John, yeah, that is a that is a risk with uh, with you know if you're you know kind of uh, impatient and or we get you know these sudden warm up periods. We do have temperatures down around freezing despite these uh, these uh, temperatures now. So I think you're pretty much in the clear uh, for the rest of the the late fall early winter. Um, so I think you'd be fine there, and I think it's a good idea to have some seed left over just in case any of those seedlings that did germinate. Uh, don't make it through the winter. Uh, you can just get out before the, um, you know, as the snow is melting in the spring, and, and it'll effectively be the same thing. I know we get questions, and Teresa will back me up too on this uh, from time to time about grass seeds. Some will uh, will text and say, "Say I've had a bag of grass seed for two years, or how many years? Uh, can can you store grass seed? Will it will it last if it's stored properly? As, as long as it's in a cool and dry place, uh, grass seed can last for years. Now, you do lose a little bit of uh, germination percentages as, as it goes down, so you may need to increase the, the rate. Uh, but what I do is that with any leftover grass seed that I have, uh, I put it into a, a five-gallon bucket and then get like a screw-top lid that can seal it up to keep the moisture out and then just keep it in a cool and dark place. Okay, very good. And if you're uh, worried that it's been too old, you can just take a few seeds out, say 10 seeds, and, and sprout them on your kitchen counter. I think uh, Julie has a, a thing, uh, an, a YouTube video on how to sprout seeds. Then you can kind of see what your germination rate might be. If none of them idea. sprout, maybe the seed's totally bad. If all of them sprout, you're good to go. Oh, that's a good idea. In fact, uh, this is a good point to mention again, the University of Minnesota website, extension.umn.edu. I mean, we always like to say it's great winter reading, but it's great. It's a great anytime re- reading. source anytime. I mean, there's so much great information on there. Yeah, check it out if you haven't already, extension.umn.edu. Uh, this texter said, uh, had grass that died in summer's drought, what would be a good grass for Boulevard that gets hot and dry, and what would be best to plant since our homeowners association will put down preventer in the spring and weed killer later? That's an important distinction there, isn't it, John? Yeah, that's a uh, that's a tough situation there. Um, so what I would recommend doing is uh, is still seeding uh, this uh, this spring just to make sure, or or trying to do like a dormant seeding with tall fescue and or uh, fine fescue. Um, I think that both of those would work for a boulevard situation. They're fairly salt-tolerant grasses. Uh, The fine fescues are the most salt-tolerant that we uh, recommend. Um, So that's a lot of times that's one of the stresses that's that's hurting the boulevard. 
the other aspect is, is uh, you know, that uh, pre-emergent herbicide. Um, if you can, I would uh, put off on doing that and then use, if you're really concerned about controlling weeds or if you do have a lot of weed pressure, you could do a post-emergent application uh, after the seedlings have matured and you've mowed it a few times. Uh, so not doing, so basically trying to control any crabgrass seedlings that come up in early June about is the timing for most of Minnesota. So uh, that would be my strategy is to try to put off on doing that pre-emergent. If you don't have control of that, uh, I think you're going to really struggle with trying to seed in to that area, and you may have to do that next fall. You know, I was just thinking, uh, given all the questions about uh, dormant seeding and grass seed in general in lawns, does the change in our zone, you know, to 5A or whatever that happens, does that change any possibility of, of certain types of grass seed being able to be grown? Not really. Uh, that's a great question, though. Um, it All of the grasses that we recommend are, are typically, they're still grown all the way down into northern Missouri. So, um, you know, it uh, the hardiness zone hasn't really affected it affected that. We might start seeing some of the warm season grasses, but those are not established by, uh, by um, seed. Those are typically vegetatively established by plugs. Uh, you might see uh, zoysia grass or Bermuda grass. Zoysia grass can grow in Minnesota, but it may winter kill every few years, uh, just in case anybody's thinking of trying it. Uh, but it is a, uh, it is a turf grass species that is, is found throughout the Twin Cities and things like that. So, um, but, John, but generally... Oh, go John, ahead. do you want to explain warm season and cool season grasses? Yeah, absolutely. Just so, just so uh, folks know. Yeah, so uh, cool season grasses just grow better in the spring and fall, and warm season grow better in the summertime. So um, they they are a little bit better adapted, but uh, you know they're still going to winter kill every few years, uh, just because uh, you know we may not have snow cover or anything like that. So. Um, even if you plant a warm season grass, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to, to thrive in, in, uh, in Minnesota now. And, you know, the, just because this, the hardiness zones have changed doesn't mean that the growing conditions have really changed from what we've experienced. It's just changed what we're calling them. So uh, we're still recommending cool season turf grass species for, uh, for lawns and any turf grass areas. Very good. Thanks for that. Uh, here's a description now that uh, maybe John... <laughs> What's the new grass that's come up in the yard the past few years? It's clumpy, flat, hard blades, dark green. I'm afraid it's going to get out of hand if left alone. Do you know what that the listener might be referring to? Yeah, that's uh, that's a little bit difficult. I'm not sure what that could be. Um, if it's hard and clumpy like that, that makes me think that maybe it's just a tall fescue, just a coarser type of tall fescue, uh, one of the older varieties that's... Uh, somehow spreading into the lawn or it was already there and it's just out competing the the rest of the cool season it's fairly drought tolerant and heat tolerant so it might be just being more competitive with these uh, last couple of droughty years um, we do have a website on our on the extension webpage for uh, is this plant a weed where you can identify certain types of weed species i would uh, encourage this uh, texture to uh, to check out that web page and, and see if they can't uh, help getting identification uh, with that. Otherwise, you can just go to the Ask a Master Gardener link uh, and send in some photos, and we can help identify it that way as well. Yeah, And they good. might want to consider nutsedge, too. That's one that, that people, the, the, the nutsedge, the sedges yep. that creep Great in. Call. And right. they, they're very aggressive. Right. 
Uh, you know, I was thinking, here we are uh, in the, in the gift-giving season, and uh, Teresa, what what would be kind of a fun gift for a host or if you're getting together with some relatives or friends for a little get-together and just maybe as a host or hostess gift, uh, the person maybe doesn't have a green thumb. What what kind of a plant, a green or growing thing would be good? What what kind of a plant? So there's so many different plants out there. There's um, there's the wonderful, um, all the holiday cactus are really nice. The poinsettias are absolutely beautiful. Cyclamens are beautiful. Think about if that person has pets or children and take that into consideration. The extension website will, will help you through that. And also, uh, you know, some of these things are very poisonous, like cyclamens to, to pets. And, and uh, poinsettias aren't really poisonous. They just taste really awful and can make you sick if you eat a whole bunch of them. Uh, but there's so many beautiful holiday plants out there. Just kind of think of what, what the person can handle. Maybe an African violet would be the easiest because they're fairly fairly tolerant to a lot of different things, and they do flower absolutely beautiful. And if you can, give them download a care sheet on them and, and add that with the plant and maybe a pretty pot too because they come in the foil pots, but you want to take those foil sleeves off when you water because you want the water to make sure it drains through and doesn't sit in a puddle in those foil slots. So maybe a beautiful little pot and a a care sheet and then the little plant and make sure if it's, uh, say, under 30, 35, 32, 25 degrees that you're bringing that in in a plastic bag. And if it's really cold, you're bringing that in in two plastic bags. You're really keeping that whole plant warm because they're they're very, 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 very warm season plants. Good ideas. Great. Thank you. Let's uh, grab a phone call before break. Jack, I believe, is on the horn calling in from uh, Jenkins today. Jack, uh, thanks for waiting. What is your question? I have two questions. The best type of grass seed to use for overseeding this time of year and a honeysuckle plant with a lot of foliage, about three years old, but not very, very little blooms last year. Thank you. Okay. Can I take grass seed first? John, sure. You go. I, we're getting uh, dominating uh, turf questions. I, I apologize, Teresa. So, That's okay. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're the expert. People people love their lawns. We have to talk about lawns. Okay. So as far as the grass seed, we kind of addressed this earlier. Um, I would just try to match with what match with whatever you already have growing uh, on your site. Uh, really, any of the grass species of the, the fine fescues, tall fescue, or Kentucky bluegrass, or a mixture of all three uh, would work really well for that. I would just match, uh, you know, if it's a full sun site, I would consider planting more tall fescues. If it's a more shaded site, I'd consider planting more uh, or dormant seeding with more fine fescues. Okay. And with the honeysuckle, uh, it could just be that it's not getting enough sun or if you have it planted where it's getting a lot of extra uh, grass fertilizer, if you fertilize your lawn and it's right there, it might be getting too much nitrogen in the soil. So if you cannot fertilize close to that plant, that would be good. Uh, lawn and it's right there, it might be getting too much nitrogen in the soil. So if you cannot fertilize close to that plant, that would be good. Otherwise, give it a regular 10-10-10 fertilizer uh, as soon as it comes out of dormancy in the spring and make sure it's getting full sun and you should start to see a lot more flowers on it. All right, very good. 
Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We have more uh, Lawn and Garden Talk when we come back. However, 651-461-9226. Uh, with us uh, this morning, answering your questions, Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener, and our turf expert from the U of M, John Trappy. So stay with us here on 830-WCCO. And a good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here, along with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney and our turf expert from the U of M, John Trappy. I was thinking of the forecast, uh, Teresa and John. Uh, we're going to have some windy conditions today, and I'm looking at some text messages about removing leaves. And I thought, whatever we <laughs> remove today, we'll probably be back tomorrow, so maybe maybe wait maybe a day or two yeah, maybe uh, for wait. that. Because it's going to be blustery tonight as well. But uh, but another text, and maybe you can, I know we've talked about a percentage of lawn we could see. Is it too late to clear the layer of leaves from my large yard? Uh, how will it affect my yard next spring is the question. Well, I definitely think it's a good idea to try to do something with the leaves. Uh, and what we generally recommend is to try to mulch them and still mow them. Um, you, you know, I think you can still get out and do that, especially if the ground is not frozen. I think it'll be a little bit easier with uh, mulching up the leaves with your mower um, if you haven't already put it away for the for the winter. Um, and uh, it, otherwise, what I would recommend doing is just uh, is trying to rake them or or uh, collect them and and to be able to compost them. Normally, we just recommend trying to recycle them to recycle those nutrients back into the lawn. Uh, but if you do have excessive uh, tree leaves, if for whatever reason you haven't been able to get it to them, uh, it can lead to snow mold and a little bit of other uh, winter diseases and stresses for the lawn going into the spring. So uh, trying to do something with them is better than nothing. Yeah, I agree. Because I've seen uh, samples in the neighborhood of someone who did not remove leaves. It is devastating to lawns. Well, it's I mean, a great way to get rid of your lawn if you no, want that's to true get rid too. of your lawn. It's a really easy way to do it. That's but, you true. know, a lot of cities might have stopped their collection already. Uh, so if you can just hold those bags of leaves, a lot of times they'll turn into some nice leaf mulch, into the in uh, leaf mold into the uh, to the spring. And then you can use that leaf mold in your gardens, or you can then throw the throw the leaves once they're dry back out on the lawn in the spring and mold them in or mulch them in then if you want to, or just use the leaves as a mulch in your gardens. Very good. Texter says this, my magnolia tree has big pussy willow buds in this warm southwestern Minnesota weather. I bought, uh, rather brought some in to uh, force it. Will it be okay next uh, spring, do you think? It, it really depends on how far along those buds get. They have what's almost like an antifreeze in them up to a certain point of growing, and then that helps protect them all winter long. Once they get past that point and they get too big, they've, they've lost that, and then the buds could frost off. The worst thing is is that you don't see as many flowers next year. So it's really not going to hurt the plant at all. There's really nothing we can do about it anyway because the plant's going to do what the plant's going to do. That's right. John, this texture says this, after dormant seeding, my husband put peat moss over the seed. Is this necessary? Uh, most of the time, no. Um, there might be some benefit if you're in a really sandy soil of, of trying to just, and it doesn't have to be right now. Uh, if anything, I would advise not doing that uh, just because, you know, you run the risk of adding too much uh, and, uh, and you could prevent, could promote snow mold, uh, like we were saying, just basically mimicking what we had just mentioned with the tree leaves. Uh, 
So uh, if anything, I would, you know, I would avoid doing it if you've already done it. Uh, just see how it comes up and, uh, you know, conduct yourself a little experiment. Teresa, you mentioned the word nuts edge. A uh, uh, listener wa- uh, says, what is the best way to get rid of it? Uh, you can pull it and dig it out. It's, and John may have some, some ideas, too. And there are herbicides, but make sure that they are listed for your lawn and, or wherever your nuts edge is, and then it lists nuts edge in there. And then read and follow the label because the label is the law. Correct. There are um, so one of the one of the frustrating things about the nuts edges is that they spread. They have little nutlets where that where it gets mm-hmm. its name uh, that are underground that are um, uh, are very difficult to manually pull. Uh, so yeah. herbicides uh, are an effective option, and there are selective herbicides for removing those but not hurting your grass. Uh, those all contain a class of herbicides called sulfonyl urea herbicides. Um, and if you just type in sedge control, umn.edu, or anything like that onto Google, you'll come across our webpage for, uh, for finding on how to control those just in case uh, you can't remember that or, or have any other questions about controlling that weed. All right. Listener says, I have resuscitated my orchid and it has started to bud. Should I be feeding it? You can feed it. Yep. Go ahead and feed it now. And just like a half strength or a quarter strength would be just fine. Okay. Nice uh, nice comment from a listener saying, greetings. Just want to say how much I enjoy this Saturday morning show. I've learned so much over the years. Thank you. Well, thank you for, uh, first of all, for listening and for taking the time to comment. Uh, with these current fluctuating temperatures, listener writes, when is the right time to cover my bulbs with malts, or should I have done that already? No, you can you can wait. You can. It depends on when the soil starts to freeze. If that happens before we get snow, I don't think we're going to get much snow for the rest of the year. Uh, so you could even maybe wait uh, because it's not going to be that cold either. Uh, as soon as the soil starts to freeze up, then you can put down your mulch. You can put it down now too. It's just that any moisture we get, if the soil is dry and you've got mulch on top, that moisture won't make it down to the. Uh, to the bulbs as readily as quickly it, it has to go a further distance so you can hold off if you want to if that's if you've got to do it now you've got to do it now it's no big deal give couple the of bulbs minutes, a drink first a couple of minutes to go in the show good morning texture says i just finished the final final leaf pickup this week <laughs> and wondered if it's okay to spread a bag of pellet gypsum what is that about uh, john uh, so gypsum is uh, calcium sulfate, so it can be a, a little bit of a, so it's a fertilizer source. Um, I Generally, we don't recommend planting that, uh, or excuse me, spreading that unless the plant, unless you have plants that are actively growing, just for uh, the sense of uh, potentially losing uh, or surface runoff or anything like that. So I, I would recommend uh, uh, waiting until next spring because there's really not going to be any benefit over the winter of doing that. Wait until you have actively growing turf. We have about a minute to go, and I think we have time for one more text, and I think we've covered everybody. Are iris leaves poisonous for pets? I'm not 100% sure. I would go to the ASPCA website and look that up. Uh, I don't recall that they are, but don't count on that. I would, I would definitely look it up. 
Okay, and a, another reminder to check out, if you haven't done so already, I know if you have, you're a fan, uh, the University of Minnesota website. It's extension.umn.edu. And how about a plug for uh, our beautiful uh, Arboretum. Arboretum? Yes, what a great time of year, any time of year. But this is a fun time, right? It is, and the poinsettia tree is up, so you can go and get pictures. Yeah, and now... Take pictures to, to, in front of the poinsettia tree. For those that don't know where it is, you have to head west on Highway 5 and 41. That's the closest intersection. And uh, it's just a you know a hop, skip, and a jump off to your left there. But you have to go online to reserve a spot, right? You do. You do. And I think uh, a three-mile drive is probably still open because it hasn't frozen yet. So, Oh, great. So you'd still be able to drive. But check the website first, yes. Yeah. University of Minnesota Landscape Artem. John, uh, thank you so much, John Trappy, for taking the time uh, on this weekend. Teresa, always a pleasure. And let's, uh, we, we may be talking gardens yet before <laughs> this year is out. But uh, thank you both for being with us. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks, Teresa. Master Gardener Teresa Rooney and, again, our turf expert uh, John Trappy from the U of M. We're going to talk uh, home improvement with Andy Lindis next hour. So get those questions ready here on News Talk 830 WC.